Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. We just noticed that we both had unicorns in the background. My son gave me this unicorn name that says, love you, mom. Aww. Does it have a name? All the time. Oh, it does, but I can't remember what it is. Well, this is Eunice. Eunice. <laughs> Eunice the unicorn. Oh, uh, yeah. Her middle name is X. Eunice X unicorn. <laughs> okay. Mel, what are we going to talk about today besides unicorns? Well, we are going to be talking about something. We are going to be talking about something that is very common to widows and people that have suffered traumatic loss. That is the topic of secondary loss. Aha. Can I admit something to you, Mel? If you want. The idea of secondary loss was a new concept for me because I just rolled all of the losses into one. So when people, when I heard the term secondary loss and really started to think about it, it was a little bit eye-opening for me. Yeah. So what is it? What does that even mean? Well, we have our primary loss, which is the loss in our case of our spouse or our partner. Yeah. Secondary loss is other relationships that you could lose. For example, their friends or their family. 
or some of your friends and some of your family. And that was eye-opening to me as well, because I think it was so shocking at the time for us to lose our partners. You can't even fathom that people are going to consciously like check out of your life or that you may not be able to have things in common that you want to talk to them about anymore. Yeah. So secondary loss is losses that come as a result of the primary loss. So the primary loss is the loss of your spouse. Secondary loss is anything that happens afterwards that is a loss or something that is taken away from you or something that you grieve as a direct result from that primary loss. So you alluded to one type of secondary loss and that's loss of other relationships, which I think a lot of people find really surprising and really hurtful that when you're in such a vulnerable and sad and awful position in so much grief that you lose other relationships. And sometimes it's not such a big deal because you weren't interested in keeping those relationships, but sometimes it's a major loss and it's kind of unfair. It's really tough. There are also things that are not relationships that are considered secondary loss. What are some of those? So I can think about um, quite a few. One is um, you might have a loss of financial stability. You might have to change how you live. You might have to go out and get a job or a different job. You might find yourself struggling to have the same lifestyle that you had before. That's another type of secondary loss that might be um, invisible to those around you or that people don't think of immediately. Sometimes people have to move because they can't afford or take care of their home anymore. So they have to move in with their parents or downsize or um, they have to lose that community because they need more support from family. So they might have to move closer to family. So that's another type of secondary loss. Um, what else, Mel? Some people might have stepkids from their deceased partner. And oftentimes it depends on the, the relationship with the mother or the whoever it is of the kids. And sometimes they choose to let the kids continue to have a relationship with the now widow. And sometimes they decide to pull that out because the connection, which would be the dead partner is gone. Yeah. That's complicated. That, and that's really hard because that's, um, that's a, what is it called? A conscious decision that somebody makes to remove somebody from your life. And that's, that's really difficult. I think sometimes the secondary loss comes from not a conscious decision, but just, um, it's like you said, the connection is gone. And so people drift apart or they don't have the same motivation to reach out and to be a part of your life. For some people, it is too painful to continue that relationship because it reminds them of the loss that they have also experienced. So, I mean, sometimes it's really complicated um, and sometimes it's not as cut and dry as like that person's a jerk and they, you know, they left me high and dry. Yeah. Like they probably don't realize that they had those feelings or sometimes do you think it's fascinating how, when the, the main person dies, you realize your connection with the people in that person's life wasn't as strong as you thought. Yeah. Oh, I guess they really weren't my friend. Compatible. Yeah. yeah. I think they were my friend or vice versa. Mm-hmm. 
do you did you experience secondary losses of relationships that surprised you in who left your life and who stuck around not so much in scott's friend circle i think because his his community was theater and theater's really good about oh there's emotional people having a hard time. Now we're going to go into that. Like they don't run away. They're like, we're here for you. So like, we love this. Yeah. Go. I actually gained some friends that I got to know better because of Scott's death, which is, you know, not typical. I know, but I did notice secondary loss with my own friends. Yeah. That was shocking to me because I can see how, okay, Scott and I were married almost two years I could see how his friends would choose to be like, peace out. Like, but because his friends were theater friends, I don't, I don't feel that. But yeah, with some of my friends, there were people that I I was aware that they didn't know how to support me because I also didn't know how to be supportive. Right. Yeah. Supported. But I did notice that there were some people that just completely checked out. And so I was grappling with this, like, well, I love this person. This is my friend. I also understand that I wouldn't know what to do in this situation, but I also am watching them pull away and like, I kind of had empathy for them, but I also was in my own situation. And so I, I did feel kind of mad about it. Like I still, I feel like in those early times, like when things like that happen, even though there are reasons for, well, yeah, everybody has their reasons and their decisions and everybody gets to decide what they do with their own life. Like there are still things that are so ingrained in my heart where I feel resentment for little things, mm. just cause it's such yeah. a touchy time. And, but it's weird. Cause I can, I can get it. I empathize in a way with them, but I still feel like, ugh, rude. Is this one of those and experiences you can empathize? you can empathize with them and you still feel angry and hurt by their actions yes and is that okay I think so yeah kind of has to be yeah what else could it be I mean if it's not okay I also gained four fake stepchildren which is not (laughs) a secondary loss but I don't know what you would call it it, that secondary was a trauma. secondary a secondary game. Hey, you guys, you're being so loud. Go downstairs. Where Sorry. were we? <laughs> we were talking about how you gained four fake stepchildren yeah. who are screaming outside my door. Um, I was also surprised at how some of the relationships that I had changed and how some of them were ones that I would not have predicted. I felt like there were some that I would have said, you know, I could see this kind of falling away. And there were some that I thought would be really tight and close and I have seen them change. And it has been, I don't know if I would say that I harbor resentment or I feel a lot of pain. I'm just more perplexed by it. Um, A little bit confused, but also I can see for the ones that I'm thinking of, I can almost see the gears in their head. And for one in particular, I know that that person has a really hard time feeling feelings and really feels feelings about Jason dying. So um, I feel, it's like you said, I feel some empathy for that person because I feel like probably they need to feel those feelings, but don't want to. What about when we feel no empathy and we're just pissed? You know, I think that that's, I think that that's fair. I don't think that we should, should. 
don't think that we need to try and chase that away necessarily. I think we need to examine those feelings and try and come to a place where we're not angry because the anger only, it's like they say, it's like you drinking poison and waiting for the other person to drop dead, right? Yeah. Do you think there's a way to speed up getting over this stuff? I don't, I don't know if there is. Um, I think it's always a good exercise to try and see things from another person's perspective. I think that you have to be in an emotional place where you're able to do that though. And early grief might not be the time where you're able to do that. So, I mean, you are so buried in just trying to put one foot in front of the other that it might not be the time to try and see other people's point of view. And with regard to these losses that you're talking about, like job change, perhaps living arrangement change, the loss of what you thought was a supportive network. Those are, even though they're very, very emotional and difficult, they're also very stressful, which is different. It's like even just stress index wise. And so, man, early grief sucks. It's the worst. It's the worst. Because you're dealing with everything that's fresh all at the same time. Do you think that it would be beneficial or it would have been beneficial for you to be aware of the secondary loss realm beforehand? Or was it better for you that you just lived it and experienced it as it was happening? Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. I don't know that it would have been helpful just when I realized what the concept of secondary loss was and that there was two different distinctions. I was like, oh, that is interesting. I always just thought of all of those losses bundled up in one. Um, I, I, I do think it's nice to hear from other people that feeling those feelings about those secondary losses is um, universal even though people will experience secondary losses, there will be secondary losses from the death of your spouse. And it's nice to hear that you're not alone in feeling hurt by people or feeling like, I mean, it's, it's the quintessential adding insult to injury. You know, you are being kicked while you're down and it just hurts. And it's really, it's really not fair, but it is universal. It feels like abandonment, mm-hmm. I think, and and in what can already seem as a very isolating incident and now life for somebody who's lost a partner, it, when the support network that starts pulling away that's been there for a long time, 
it makes sense why people feel how they feel. It's just like you feel abandoned. Yeah. And sometimes that secondary loss happens after early grief because we find that people rally to us in the early part. What can we do? How can we help? And then they flutter away back to their normal life and we are still here living our nightmare and they have gone back to their regular life which is another sort of secondary loss is that we watch people go go live their life and we don't get to do that we've lost our person but we've also lost the future with that person like mm -hmm. it's done the, like the future everything. with that person physically incarnated on the planet yeah however you choose to think about that you know yeah. And along with that, another secondary loss is loss of opportunity. We may have wanted to have children with that person, or we may have wanted to, you know, like for me, the goal in life was to buy a cabin somewhere and be able to go up to the cabin on the weekends. And that's something that I think about that I've lost that dream. I've lost that kind of you know, goal, even if it's a silly, like doesn't really matter. Um, that's what we wanted to do. And we always joked about buying an RV and being old people and riding our bikes around the country, which Mel says we're going to do now, even though I'm freaked out by driving around in an RV and she thinks that I'm being irrational. Side note, I'm laughing at all of the stuff that you're saying because I'm like, before we recorded, we started talking about, wouldn't it be so cool if there was a cabin somewhere someday we could go to? And yeah, I mean, and it's like those things that you're mentioning, they're still doable in the world, but you're not able to do them with Jason. Right. You'll have to do them with me. I'm sorry. But for some people, it might not be doable anymore. You lose a secondary income and all of a sudden you go from living a comfortable lifestyle to living on the edge, you know? And it's not about like, oh, I want a cabin in the future. It's like, oh, I want to keep my house. I want to pay my rent. I want to have food. You know, it, it, it really changes your life. It can quite drastically in, you know, just just a little while and people have medical bills people you know so financially and lifestyle wise it can be a huge loss to what you what you have lived i also i'm thinking about your experience with insurance <laughs> yeah you had insurance through jason's awesome school plan right because he was a teacher yeah and they were like by the way that ends in 20 days good luck Bye. Peace and, out. and it's like, you're dealing with this hardest thing and you're supposed to go find an insurance plan. You know, I can't, my brain doesn't even work enough to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you want me to go get insurance. So for my family. Okay. What about people who are already in dire circumstances that weren't living a comfortable life first and they were struggling anyway? Uh, now yeah. That's why, that's why widows are so much more likely to live in poverty because of all of these, all of these things. And, you know, it used to be, and it was kind of a standard that in, it's changing now, I think, but that, you know, the man would go to school or would have the career and the woman wouldn't have the education and wouldn't have the job skills. And so when her husband died, it was like, how do you support your family? And I think that's, I think that's changing, but I still think that there is some 
something to that. You know, you're the primary breadwinner. I'm the secondary breadwinner. And then the secondary becomes the primary. So, yeah. Not easy. Uh. Yeah. What about, here's another one that's um, a little less tangible is loss of your identity and your purpose and your self-esteem. Yeah. A lot of us, we have been in our relationship long enough that it's not really, you don't really have your own identity anymore. It's the two of you who have an identity together. And then that person's gone. It's like, who am I? Why, what's my purpose here? What am I doing? Especially if your spouse died of a long-term illness and your role for a long time was caretaking, that's gone. What's your purpose? What are you here for? Yep. Totally. Or if your partner was the one that gave you validation where like, am I looking fat? And they're like, no, you're <sighs> great, honey. Yeah. I really, really have a hard time with this because it, it's just the little things. You know, like just being called, like Jason used to call me pretty lady. He'd be like, Hey, pretty lady. Like just that little bit of validation that was unasked for goes a long way. And there's, there's nobody to do that right now. Unless you say to them, Hey, tell me, (laughs) tell me that I look good. Or, you know, tell me that I'm valued. That's all it was, is that little, little piece of you're valued. I love you. You you know, you're worthy. You're worth something. And we lose that. It's hard. And, and even though it is not the initial loss of the partner, these are losses that we grieve. We have feelings about all of them. There's loss with all of them. So it makes sense why us widows are how we are, especially in early grief. Do you think that secondary loss is always negative? Hmm. Well, would it be called loss if it wasn't negative? Well, a deficiency of something. The word loss could be neutral. I do think that sometimes secondary loss pushes us to do something that ends up being beneficial. So for instance, I am now the primary breadwinner. I'm going back to school. And now I have become a nuclear biologist because that's what you go back to school for. So I do think that sometimes it causes us to grow in ways that we wouldn't choose, but I don't know if you would say a secondary loss in and of itself is good. Do you have an example of that? Do you have something in mind? I think, I think it would maybe require reframing of the word loss. Okay. It just be it, Cause it is, it is a loss. It is something that was in your field like of your person and it's gone it's a loss but that doesn't I don't for me personally I usually try to see things as what am I supposed to learn from this and so if I sit too much in the loss and I'm like super mad and I'm like how dare they and I'm then going the extra mile and putting blame on people and and all that stuff then I'm not able to see why it might be just kind of how it is and then ultimately i get to decide if that's a benefit or not there have been so many surprising instances of things that i did not have in my life before that i do now that have been life-changing and life-altering and very positive and i would never pick the death of a partner to be the catalyst for that ever however i can see a lot of positive changes for example when Scott died, 
everybody knew Scott died. And at the time, even before he died, I was trying to work on how I could kind of get out of the same hamster wheel I was in and make a life change. Well, because he died and because everybody externally of me was able to see that he died, it gave me what I needed. It gave me the space that I needed to then do whatever I wanted to do and not feel guilt if other mm -hmm. people had comments or issues about it. So I'm that kind of is moving a little bit away from like just the topic of secondary loss, but I do see it as a catalyst for something that has enabled me to feel confident enough uh, because it made people back off from me. And anybody on the planet likes to be liked. They don't like to have judgment from people, even though we're like, well, we need to work on that. And like, if you want to do it, then you do it. We're all human. We all have feelings. We all want like validation. Like who doesn't like feeling like everybody likes you, right? And so I've noticed that the loss has given it me kind of like that. I don't care. I can give everyone the finger if I want and do what I want and go toward my best self or, or not if I don't want to. So, and some of those are because of secondary loss. I've had to find new ways and new paths to go on. And I would not have those if those losses were not present. So actually early in the, the discussion that we were just having, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, there's secondary losses, but then there's secondary gains also. And I think a lot of people um, were resistant <laughs> to those gains because they came in such a way, like you said, that you would never choose. But when you do examine your life, you're like, this would never have happened had Jason not died. I would not have accomplished this. I would not have met this person. I would not have, I mean. I would not have the stepchild that's screaming right now. Stop it. Do I need to send Eunice X over? Yes. Okay. Um, so I think that that's a topic that we could spend talking a long time about is the things that we gain from our loss. Lanita, so you are a secondary gain for me. I know. I don't know what the word is. Who knows? It's true, but it's, it's like, we never, we wouldn't have this podcast. We wouldn't have no, the amazing people that we know. So there's definitely things that we gain from this, but it doesn't negate the fact that there are so many losses as well. You got to go out. I'm almost done. It's going to take longer if you keep doing this. I'd like to talk about one other secondary loss. May I? The loss, <laughs> a loss of a parenting partner. It is relentless. It is aggravating. It is burying to not have your parenting partner. And we are witnessing that in full force as this widow sewed has unfolded. It's not cool. It's not cool. But um, I don't even know where we were. We're on like the non the good parts. What we've gained. Yeah. Well, you gain, you lose. The gaining does not negate how hard it is to have those secondary losses. And how people sometimes outside of the grief community don't realize how those secondary losses hurt and what they might entail. What are some of your experiences with secondary loss? Comment below.
help us keep the discussion going. We want to hear what it's like for you. And remember to join our widow wives club for more friends that you <sighs> wanted to have, but now you cannot live without because they're so cool. They're your secondary gain. Thank you. We appreciate all your support and all of the discussion. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. Two young widows just experiencing secondary loss, trying to figure out widow. We do now. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what well, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.